the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The grave of Jesus is empty. Then anything is possible for you. And I've got some good news. It is empty. He's alive. He's ruling. He's reigning. He's here right in this moment. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Let me make it more personal. I know a lot of people. But I don't know anybody like I know my wife, Kimberly. If you still don't get it, let me explain it. The word that Paul uses here is the same word that he uses in Matthew to describe the unusual thing that took place at the birth of Jesus. Because it says that the mother of Jesus, Mary, all of a sudden found herself pregnant with a child. But then the Bible says... But she had not known Joseph or any other man. Are you following me now? According to Scripture, to to know someone in this way is an intimate knowledge. I know a lot of people, but the only person I've ever known is Kimberly. The Bible says that we should want to have that kind of intimate knowledge of Christ. Now, this is interesting. Because we know that Paul had a relationship with Jesus. You remember his story? His story may be like some of you. I grew up in a a Christian home. My dad was a preacher. And and I'll be honest, I did have a drug problem. I was drugged to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. I mean, but but really, God protected me from a lot. I began a relationship with God young. Some of you are not like that. You're more like the Apostle Paul. In whatever way, you were rebelling against the things of Jesus. Paul was rebelling religiously. Some of you are like that. You've been very religious, but you've never submitted control of your life to Jesus. And so Paul was a person who hated Christians. We've already discovered he followed all the religious laws, but he didn't love Jesus. In fact, he didn't believe Jesus was God. But something happened, and the Bible tells us exactly where it happened. He was in Syria on a road to Damascus, and the risen Christ encounters Paul. The Bible says Paul falls to his knees, and he says one word. He says, Lord. And that's why when we come to Christ, we talk about surrendering our life to Jesus because we recognize that he's a Lord, a word which means boss or master. Coming to Christ is not just a knowledge of who he is or it's not showing up at church. It's yielding control of your life to the Lord, to the master. So Paul knew Jesus, and he followed Jesus, and now for 30 years, he had been a missionary and a pastor and a preacher, and he he wrote a large chunk of the Bible, and yet he says, "I, I want to know Christ. 
you know Christ? I'm not talking about all the religious facts. You know Jesus? Paul knew him, but, but he wanted to know him more. Don't you respect that? I mean, most of us would think, man, if, if I was living the life of the apostle, if I was in prison because I was being faithful to God, I think I'd be all right with myself. But now he wanted no more. He knew he hadn't arrived. Our kids are getting older, so even holidays like Easter and Christmas, they look a little different with, with older children. When, when our boys were younger, we had an SUV, and we'd go on long trips. We'd drive maybe from Missouri to the other side of Colorado, and we'd be in that SUV a long time. And, and I'm just telling you, um, I got tired of hearing my sons ask this question. You know what it, what it was? Yeah, are we there yet? Let me see your hands, parent, if you've ever lied as an answer to that question. Yeah. <laughs> are we there yet? Paul knew he wasn't there yet. Do you know you're not there yet? Are you, are you content with where you are spiritually? I, I doubt you are because, again, as long as I've lived, I've learned that most people, they kind of have an awareness whether or not they are vulnerable and open about that. They realize they're not what they want to be. One of the marks of a committed follower of Christ is a humble awareness that they're not there yet. So Paul says, I want to know the power of the resurrection. Now, why would he want to know the power of the resurrection? Because he believed if the grave of Jesus was empty, then anything was possible. Paul, not only does he have this incredible list of all the things he was before Jesus, you ought to hear what he went through after Jesus. He talks about being shipwrecked and being beaten and being thrown out of town and going through all kind of abuse and being cursed at and being left for dead and all the things that he went through. And yet he's writing this because he believed if the, if the resurrection's true, if the grave of Jesus is empty, then anything is possible. You know what the Bible teaches? The Bible explicitly teaches that the same power that conquered the grave of Jesus is available to you. Listen to this other writing from the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 1 verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. By the way, I love that verse because that's where we get the song we sometimes sing. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy pe people. So what's the riches? His, his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. You live as if you believe that? That the same power that conquered the grave of Jesus is available to you? you say, well, Pastor, what does that power look like? What well, Paul goes on to tell us in Ephesians 3 and verse 20, now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than we all ask or think or imagine according to his power that's working in us. His power, what does that power look like? It's unimaginable. It's immeasurable. It's abundant. It's everything we need. We sing about it. 
We sing a song that says, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, the same power that commands the dead to wake, the same power that moves mountains when he speaks, the same power that can calm a raging sea, it lives in us. It lives in us. He lives in us. That's the message of Easter. Are you living as if anything's possible by God's grace and through his power? Are you living as if illnesses can be healed? Are you living as if relationships can be restored? Are you living as if bills can still be paid? Are you living as if pain can still be quieted? Are you living as if people in your little corner of the world, your friends, your family members can still be saved? What are you trusting God to do that can only be done by the power that makes all things possible? Let me ask that question in another way. Because a lot of us here would say we believe that. If God answered all your impossible prayers today, how would your life look differently tomorrow? I just want you to understand that we've got to live as if we believe what we say we believe. Paul said he wanted to know the power of the resurrection. I want to know that too. But he didn't stop there. He said, I also want to fellowship and participate in his sufferings. I even want to be like him in his death. Did you catch that? Verse 10, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. So here's some bad news for some of you. The presence of God's power in your life doesn't necessarily mean prosperity in every area of your life. And this should be a relief to some of you, but but some of you have bought into some ungodly, unbiblical, teaching. And I'm sorry because it's it's coming from people that stand on the stage like me or maybe pastors or leaders who who write books and you you pick them up off of a shelf even in a Christian section and you think this has got to be true and and yet as you hear it, it, it's not biblical. Let me just tell you why it's not biblical. The 11 disciples that we still had after Judas had, had hung himself, do you know how the 11 disciples died? They were martyred for their faith. Because they would not reject Jesus, they gave up their lives. And like Paul, before their death, they were imprisoned. They were tortured. They went through pain. Nowhere in Scripture do we find that if you just follow Jesus, everything will be hunky-dory in your life. In fact, we find the opposite. We find the reality that suffering exists in this broken world. And that brings us back to why this is such a good day. You know what all religions have in common. In fact, even atheists believe this. And maybe you're here because somebody invited you and you consider yourself an agnostic. Well, maybe there's a God, but if there is, I can't know him. Even agnostics believe this. You know what everybody believes? This old world is broken. It's messed up. Even CNN believes it. Fox News believes this. I mean, this world is a mess. It needs help. Things need to be fixed. What we celebrate today is we believe that Jesus did everything necessary to fix that which is broken. It just doesn't mean that sometimes we're spared from the pain of the brokenness. That's what brings us back to this verse. We believe Jesus' death was the only hope because there can't be resurrection 
until there's been death. Sometimes the suffering we go through, like my friend Victor shared, sometimes we'll never have the answers on this side of heaven. But as we trust the Lord, he shows us, Carlos, that he's at work, even in the midst of our pain. This is the essence of the gospel. We were separated from God because of our sin. But Jesus took our sin when he died on the cross. And when he rose from the grave, he gives us a chance to look to him and receive the only help and the only hope that's possible. Paul believed this so much that he even wrote to us in the book of Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I guess my question to ask you is, have you been crucified with Christ? That's why Paul would say, I want to participate in his suffering. I want to be like him in his death. Have you experienced the power of the gospel? Well, I need to conclude. So so let me just tell you why this matters. He tells us in the next few verses. Let me just read them to you. Not that I've already obtained all this. Aren't you grateful for that? Not that I've already obtained all this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on. Say press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What does it look like practically when you begin to live in the power of the resurrection? Well, as I explain this, just understand, three times again, Paul told us, I'm not there yet. (laughs) We're not there yet. We're not. So don't feel guilty. Some of you, you didn't even want to come in today because you're afraid that somebody knows what you did last night or somebody knows the life you're really living. Understand, none of us are there yet. But he tells us how we live out this power. Here's the first thing. God gives us power to forget those things that are behind us. Let me see your hand if you're grateful some things in your life are behind you. Yeah, me too. Oh, my goodness. I struggle with forgetting them, though, in the way I think about it. In fact, I'm old enough to, uh, I I can't remember the things I'm supposed to remember. And I feel like I forget the things I don't want. I mean, I remember the things I want to forget. In fact, um, even when it comes to if I've ever been hurt, I, I prayed Lord, would you just give me a short memory of offense? And he answered me, but he didn't answer it completely. He just gave me a short memory. I mean, I just can't remember anything. But this really isn't talking about our memory. Forget here doesn't mean you no longer remember. We're not God. God can do that. We can't. But it means you're no longer controlled by. Are you being controlled by your past? For some of us, it's our past failures. And we've blown it. There are some things we've done we wish we'd have never done. If we could go back in time, we'd go back in time and undo it. For some of us, it's our past successes. You're living on yesterday's victories. And I just need to remind you that yesterday's victories are just tomorrow's tarnished trophies. 
If you, if you went over to our house and went up in my attic, there's a box because my mom, she saved everything from my childhood. And in that box, you can, you can find some of my old trophies. Like there's some football trophies. And now when I was a child, not everybody got a trophy. But there's some football trophies and I really wasn't that good, but somehow I got a trophy. So maybe everybody did get, I don't know. But you go and I pick up that trophy when I was in Little League football and I thought that was so great back then. And I look at it now, it's all tarnished. And it's plastic. It was never that big of a deal. <laughs> Some of you may need to know you were never that big of a deal. But whether it's your successes or your failures, I, I, I want you to understand you don't want to be shackled by your past and you don't want to strut by your past. You may not be able to change the past, but you can change the meaning of the past. Remember how I said, I wish I could go back and change some of the things I've done? I do. But I wouldn't give anything for what God's done as a result of some of those things in my life. So that's the first thing. God gives you the power to forget those things that are behind you. Secondly, God gives you the power to focus on those things out in front of you. That's what I want to leave you with today. I want you focusing on what God's got in store for you. I want you looking forward. Don't be in the rearview mirror. And don't be caught up in the negativity of this world. I run into some people, I think they take negative vitamins. I mean, every day they just get up and say, okay, what's going to make me negative today? Let me just think, okay, that glass is half empty. Some people, I think they take pills to just scrunch up their face rather than smooth out the wrinkles. Don't be that way. Look forward. Understand that God is working in your life for his glory, even in your future. Press on. Man, we all live under the same sky, but we don't all see the same horizon. Ask God to show you his future in a way that allows you to live for him. Ask him to give you a him-possible vision. Ask him to help you look at those things that you think were not possible, but you understand now that if the grave of Jesus is empty, anything is possible. Amen, church? And then lean forward. Do whatever it takes. Develop that kind of attitude for Jesus. Paul's describing a stretching and a straining and crawling and a give God your all. Are you willing to do that? The way he says he does that is because he says he's taking hold of Jesus. Ray, would you step up here a second? I'm right here in the middle. See if you can help me illustrate something. Ray's my buddy. Ray, I want you to grab hold of my arm there. Got me? I got you. You're a big boy, Ray. <laughs> I think you could hurt us both. <laughs> if you pulled, I think I'd come down. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, and thank you, Ray. You got me? You latched on to me? Now let me show you what I'm about to do, Ray. I'm latching on to you. Let me just tell you what I did. I took hold of the one who's taken hold of me. The Bible says, Ray, let's just have a moment here. Ray, you've been to that place where you knew you were a sinner? Yes, sir. You believe Jesus died on the cross for your sin? Yes. You know he's alive today? You've committed your life to him? 100%. I knew all that. When you did that, Jesus took hold of you. The rest of your life, he wants you to take hold of him. Yes, sir. Amen? Thank you, Ray. But that's not just Ray. That's not just Ray, that's you. That's what we're doing in light of the resurrection, taking hold of the one who's taking hold of us. 
And I tried to think of how to illustrate this for weeks. I knew this is where we're going on Easter weekend, and I, I struggled with how to just wrap this up with an illustration. And then on Good Friday, God just made it kind of crystal clear. So I want to tell you a story about a man, a friend of mine, one of the best ministers I've ever known. His name was Mr. Willie. Mr. Willie, uh, he had a rough background. In fact, my parents probably would have called him a, a hellion. I mean, he made a lot of choices that were not pleasing to God. And it not only uh, probably affected others, it, it messed up his life. And some of those choices may have contributed to what took place more than 20 years ago, which was a massive stroke. Mr. Willie had a massive stroke that created some problems with his sight, and, and then it, it just had a toll on his body. He was kind of confined to a wheelchair. After that stroke, he, he went into a nursing care and rehab and didn't know if he'd come out, but he did come out and was able to live on his own right over here in some apartments not far from this church, and he, he found his way to this church. And then as a result of, of being in this church, he, he became a part of what was known as the Bunkley Bunch, the Buckley Bunch. And, and, and Bill Buckley, one of our faithful men of God, just began to invest into Willie's life. And when he first talked to Willie, Willie said he knew God, but really what he meant is he knew about God. But after Bill had talked to him and showed him the scriptures, Willie knew God. And he began to grow in his faith. One of my favorite pictures was when, when Willie from that wheelchair would be sitting in worship, and he would just be lifting his hands in worship. And then I've got some memories. It weren't a lot of these, but there were some memories where the worship was so powerful. Willie would motion to somebody, and they would help hold his wheelchair, and, and he would take every bit of energy in his body, and he would stand on those two legs, and he would lift both arms, just worshiping Jesus. Last time Willie was here, not... A long, long time ago, he was sitting right over there in that wheelchair. Willie became a follower of Christ, but he, he began to talk to Bill, and he said, Bill, I'm disabled. What difference can I make for God? And after some conversation, Bill and Willie, they settled on this birthday ministry. And so Willie took it upon himself. He would meet people in the church, and I don't know how he did it because he couldn't walk and he couldn't talk clear, but his memory worked good because he remembered everybody's names. And he would find out their birthdays and either, either send them a text or, or, or he'd call them. And when he'd call me, he would sing, and it would be hard to understand, but he'd be singing, Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Pastor Paul. Happy birthday to you. When my mom moved here, <laughs> he said, Give me your mom's birthday. And so I did. And so I think a couple years ago, we took this picture on his birthday, just celebrating his birthday. And, and a couple months ago, I was with him, like a lot in our church were on his birthday over here at the nursing home. And I sang to him that day and just loved him. And he smiled and giggled like Willie does. How many of you in here ever got a call or a text from Willie on your birthday? Look around, church. Hey, I, I just want to remind you, your disabilities don't matter. What matters is your availability. God will use your availability to accomplish what he has made you able to do. Well, on Good Friday, Good Friday, Mr. Willie became like Jesus in his death. He experienced the power of his resurrection. I'm so thankful our church was there with him. My friend, the Rucks, that's that picture you see of the hands being held. They, they were with Mr. Willie 
just a couple of hours before we went to see Jesus. And then my friend Billy McCoy, I, I think they were probably there maybe 30 minutes before Willie went home. He was surrounded by his church. But you know what happened in an instant? In an instant, he received the prize. That's what Paul just talked about. Because he had latched on to Jesus in an instant. He was walking like he hadn't walked in more than two decades. He was talking more clearly than he's talked in more than two decades. He was, he was still giggling the same way. But he was standing and worshiping Jesus face to face. That's what this is about. Oh, church, if the grave of Jesus is empty, then anything is possible for you. And I've got some good news this Easter morning. It is empty. He's alive. He's ruling. He's reigning. He's here right in this moment. So you just got to ask, are you living like the grave's empty? Are you living with that resurrection power? You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Weekday mornings at 9, here on Faith Talk Tampa. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.